years, blood, sweat, and tears, but I'm still here. Nothing can stop me. Run it up, run it up, run it up, run it up, run it up. Nothing can stop me. All right, welcome back to the Gross Show. Scott here with Eric and Jeff, your hosts. Hopefully, we're making it a little easier for you on your journey to bigger and better things with your business. Today, we're going to do something new. It's going to be bite size. Here's our attempt to do this show in 15 minutes or less. With that said, we're heading over to Two Truths and a Live LinkedIn. Jeff, what do you got? We got some truths and lies. We have to continue to monitor LinkedIn and share with you the best and the worst. So let's start with the best. Our truth today. I believe a leader should be the chief cheerleader or and chief storyteller. And their definition of success should be make each person in their organization the success they deserve to be. Love, I, I think this is an important message because I think a lot of leaders get hung up on numbers, which are important. But at the end of the day, my job is to make you the person that your mother thought you were capable of or your parent thought you were capable of. That's my definition of success for myself as a leader. True. Good. Good point. That's it in the mini edition. That's all I it. Get is a yeah, it's just true. If it really strikes us, we'll get in there. But this is the fastest 15 minutes in sports right here. Okay. Uh, truth. Dr. Kothic Nagendra. <laughs> Ready to challenge the status quo? Today, let's talk about embracing controversy as a catalyst for thought leadership growth. While it may seem risky, it can actually elevate your impact and spark meaningful conversations. I can say without any question that the the controversial posts that have gotten, that we've created on LinkedIn, that have gotten the most responses, have been the most controversial. Scott, yours are almost always controversial. (laughs) We know this is true. Is that what they're saying here? Just like... To market your company, be involved in controversy? To Yeah, to like increase your impact through thought oh. leadership. Like you, you can be controversial and like people are out there and are like saying good things from a marketing perspective. They're just boring. Like how many more yeah. benchmark reports do I need to read? Right. Say There's, something interesting. Yeah. Agree. Total, totally agree. Yeah. Okay. I got to tell you, this mini episode is, makes me move really quickly. <laughs> You're kind of a slow mover usually, so this is a little different. Well, if we get through the LinkedIn portion, we could get to the meat of this thing. Uh, Aaron with a lie. I think the lie's in the middle. Job hopping isn't always bad. Loyalty to one company isn't a thing anymore. Aaron goes on from there. Loyalty to one company can be a thing. Stop it. Stop saying that. Just because you don't think it's a thing. Just because certain groups of people say it's not a thing doesn't mean it's not a thing. And it doesn't mean it's not a thing that companies should aspire to. You can be at a company your whole career. It can happen. Stop saying it's not a thing. It's a thing for some people. It's not a thing for you. Yeah, this is a lie. I felt I was out to dinner with a friend and she was celebrating her her 25th year at Purina in a really high job. And she's like, this is embarrassing you know, but I'm celebrating my 25th year. She's like, I know people don't do that anymore. And I just felt bad that that was even a thing that she'd feel embarrassed about being somewhere for so long where she was clearly having a ridiculous amount of success and playing at a very high level. I believe in loyalty. And I think that you can, you know, not have to rebuild equity and be so much more powerful if you stay put and keep growing. Yeah, I wanted to look something up because I wanted to confirm it. 
but uh was it your own employment that you've been here your whole career? Yeah. Did well, I mean, I'm, ti- I'm tired of not looking. I'm tired of using myself as an example. But Tim Cook, how long do you think he's been at Apple? Oh, TC. TC. Since 1998. <laughs> you think he would have benefited by, benefited by job hopping, going somewhere else? I think he's <laughs> I think he's doing just fine. Like, I think the it's more about the company that you pick, you yeah. choose to be loyal to. Like, don't be blindly loyal to any company, but I think Tim Cook's doing all right. Take it from Tim. I mean, take it from Eric. (laughs) (laughs) That's your two truths and a lie. All right. As always, nice job. We're in the 50 for 50. This one's going to be short and sweet. It's pay plans. Pay plans, pay plans, pay plans. Uh, the uh, The right pay plan will motivate your folks. Right. If you if you land it in the right way, you will get the productivity that you want and you will get the the, the happy person. Um, a lot of times, though, it's here's your salary and here's your commission for sales. It's X percent and not enough of the time is there uh, other things, other measurements in place, bonus qualifiers, if you will, to also make sure that other behaviors that you want to have happen, happen. So a lot of times here we'll have salary, we'll have bonus. The bonus would be on the most important result, but then we'll have qualifiers uh, based around behaviors that we want to make sure that you continue to do so that that, like if you're an account manager, we may have four or five things that go against your retention bonus to make sure that you're doing the behaviors that are necessary to continue to have good customer retention. So analyze your pay plans, make sure that they're motivating. I ask people, ask your network, land on pay plans that you know are good for your organization, but also motivating for your people and make sure that anything that you care about happening over and over and over again, any activities, any behaviors are also wrapped into that plan or people aren't going to do those things on a consistent basis. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great because you really have a couple of options, you know, in regards to the, you know, what we would call qualifiers to the pay plan is you could just say, okay, well, if people don't do this activity, we'll just fire them. But no, you won't like, no, you won't, or you will. And you'll lose some really good people along the way. So what was the middle ground? Right versus just flat out firing somebody if they missed a percentage of this activity, you get dinged in your bonus a little bit. And it's their choice. At the end of the day, if you want the company to pay you less money because you don't want to put the work in to do this activity, then ultimately that's on you, you know? And that activity isn't one of those that, you know, if you're at 95%, your business isn't going to fall apart. It's just one of those things that we know we're going to be in a better spot if we're at 100% of those things. I think it's genius. And I think it's uh, one thing we do that probably a lot of others don't do to keep consistency. Listen up here, folks. This is a huge differentiator. This will change the way you think about um, bonus compensation. Because here's what you're doing now. You have three or four things you care about somebody doing and you're either picking one which is bad or you're giving a percentage of bonus based on all four which is also bad because there probably is one that is the most important and if you dilute that that's wrong if you only pick one that's probably wrong so 
have the one most important thing and then have the other things, the other activities um, inhibit your ability to get the full bonus. That is a game changer. I've never seen it before. It's done here and it works wonders. Yep. Just to wrap it up, to get you thinking another position, if you've got a sales position, there's salary, there's bonus. Again, most people are like, yep, they sold X, you get X percent of it. But you know, you've got salespeople that are depleting pipelines and going up and down in production. And one thing that we've found is you could have a qualifier against that commission based on the amount of new business conversations that you have on a monthly basis to ensure that the activity is there to keep the production up. So most people are paying just on that one result. Find the activities or the behaviors that you want to have happening. Uh, each and every month to ensure that that result continues to happen, put them as qualifiers against the bonus, and you will find yourself in a better spot as an organization, seeing the things that you want to see consistently happen. So that's 50-50. Let's head over to Mining for Growth Gold. Mining for Growth Gold. And I was just saying about this as you were saying that the this is a benefit to the employees as well. Like it's another one of those things we were talking about in the last episode of sometimes you have to, for lack of a better term, force people to do things. We're forcing them to do the leading indicators that are going to lead to higher sales, higher retention, higher bonuses for them in the future. Uh, for today, we're talking about account management. And this is going to be a little bit, I'm dipping into sales a little bit here too. I'm maybe dipping into a little bit 50 for 50, but... I think it starts with what you do in account management and partner success to launch from there. That is create a path from partner success manager to account executive. If you look at our company, and I know this is starting to catch on a little bit. I would say we were on the the front end of this thing. If you look at our outbound team right now, 11 out of our 12 reps managed accounts here at Abstract and played the account management role. And the reason that we were able to do that in the first place is because we've never looked at that partner success role as customer service, as you're just taking orders from your customer. We looked at them as a tool to help our clients grow their business. And in order to do that, they had to be a consultant. They didn't just take orders from the client. They had to be experts in the industry, experts in the product. And then ultimately, that has led to a seamless transition for those individuals to move into account executive roles. So that's the benefit. And that's kind of the culture you have to set up. But then like here are the, here are the things to think about now that they're account executives. Number one, better product knowledge. They've seen it. Like they usually have done the position or seen the position, seen the product service in action. Number two, better expectations. They've been on the other side when a sales rep has agreed to something that you can't do as a business. You're going to have better expectations being set throughout the process. Number three, knowledge of the industries and niches that you work in as a business. Uh, and this is one of the ones that may go, may not seem like the biggest deal, but probably is the biggest deal. To be on that presentation, that sales presentation, have a little bit of knowledge about the industry. I mean, that's going to go a long way. Number four, shorter ramp times. They don't have this learning curve that bringing somebody from the outside would have. Like these individuals are not only our top sales reps on the team, they're also, uh, they're quick. They're quick to uh, start selling and start selling a lot. 
And then number five is vision. So a lot of people in the partner success manager role, which is a tough role, which we've talked about before, there's this ceiling of income because you can only manage so many accounts. And when they hit that ceiling, they either have to wait for a leadership position to open up or they have to figure something else out and they kind of feel capped. So this is an opportunity in addition to having ways where they can sell in their current position, they can also go sell full time from there. I think that uh, <clears throat> two things, just in, in agreement. Uh, one, the account manager knows the product inside and out, backwards and forwards, what can go right, what can go wrong. And probably most importantly, they've dealt with hundreds of customers over a, a couple of years. They know exactly what people are looking for. So then they can get on and have a, an incredible conversation with a future prospect about the product itself, how we deliver it, and and know where they need to connect with somebody because they manage so many accounts. They know what the person's going to be looking for and why they'd want to buy it in the first place. And it just makes them ridiculously successful salespeople. I'd never thought about this, never done this previous life. Big mistake, huge learning. The other reality is when you get on a call and you go, you know, give you two seconds of background on me. I was an account manager for five years. <sighs> ah, like you feel the air go out of the balloon of the prospect being resistant to another quote salesperson. Like mm -hmm. I, this is an account manager and they'll tell you stories. Account managers can tell stories for days of clients they've managed who've had a great deal yeah, of success. That's a big one. We should, I mean, that's a really good point. And we should make sure that our people say that mm -hmm. like in our new, sales presentations, we should make sure everybody brings that up. I think that it would drop the shoulders. I love it. Yeah. All right. What do we got from tales from sale? If you're selling, you're losing. That's the reality. You're losing 90% of the time, 80% of the time, sometimes 95% of the time. And it's fun. You know, you lose in a variety of different ways. You don't always lose the same way, but a common way people lose deals is what the kids call ghosting, meaning they just stop responding to you. Um, and this could be at the beginning of the sales cycle, in the middle of the sales cycle, but let me tell you where it's painful, at the end of the sales cycle. You've been working with somebody. You built some rapport. You maybe even have a relationship. You know where their favorite vacation place is. And they just literally go off the face of the earth on you. I've seen a few reps, unfortunately, do what I would say is my tale from sales today. Don't burn a bridge with prospects that ghost you. Don't do it. It's so easy to flippantly send kind of a nasty text. Not a, like an overtly like go to hell, but just something that's a little too much. And it's like, whoa, I'm never coming back. I'm never doing business with this company. Don't forget, today's lost prospects are tomorrow's what, Eric? Future prospects. New clients. Yes. Today's lost prospects are tomorrow's new clients. Well, you still have to sell them. Let's do this. Why don't you stick on your section? I'll do my <laughs> section. When I call on you, raise your hand. Don't burn bridges with prospects that ghost you. It's not personal. They might just have something going on. Leave the door open. Today's ghosted prospects are tomorrow's new. Eric? Clients. That's good. And you pointed at him and then he talked. Like the, the, he fouled what direction. It's like a doll. So, it was amazing. Was I wrong? I was right. No, you had the right the second time. I love that. And be creative. Yes. Like there's things going on in people's lives. Just 
like do things in a creative way to, you know, to get them to respond to you, send them videos and funny texts and success stories and things like that to keep them thinking about you. And if you are consistent with that, my guess is that they will be that new client. So we find ourselves heading into to do or not to do. Everybody's favorite section. To do or not to do. On the, I had a note on Jeff's thing real quick. I think the the other part, don't burn the bridge, but don't get ghosted in the first place by asking to your point on the last show, if you think it, say it. If you feel it, say it. And having those tough conversations and then having follow-up mm-hmm. meetings scheduled tight to the calls, I think that prevents that majority of the time. Uh, to do or not to do. So uh, for today's section, we're going to talk about something that's really near and dear to my heart. And uh, I have a special love for this thing, but as two hardworking, ambitious people mm. who don't get much sleep, it might not be very near and dear to your hearts. Napping. Should you, is it acceptable to take a little nap on the weekends? To take a nap or not to take a nap on the weekends? Scott. Um, I think it's acceptable, and I would engage in napping a lot <laughs> if I was an individual that, when I laid down to take a nap, wasn't the same guy that woke up eight hours later. Like, <laughs> if there is a time that I could sleep, it would be then, and then I would not get back up. I would be out for the rest of the day. And, and what about alarm? Like alarm clock won't wake you up. You'll just be out. No, I see. To me, like. For some people, it's refreshing, like midday, maybe they take 10, 15 minutes, lay their head down. For me, it just, it makes me want to go to, like, go go back to, it's not refresh. I can't get, like, a recharge out of 10, 15, 20-minute nap. I wish I could, and if I could, I'd do it, absolutely. For me to go to bed at night, or to go to bed in general, so many things have to happen for me. I got to. I got a mask I got to wear. This is a little private. I got a mask I got to wear. I got to have the eye black on. I got to I have my AirPods you in. Wear, you cover your eyes to oh, sleep. Oh, yeah. Do you cover your eyes to sleep? No. I got the AirPods in. I got you sleep on AirPods? 70 milligrams of melatonin. I, I'm telling you, I have a whole thing I got to do. There's people out there doing the same shit I'm doing. I don't just lay down and go to bed. I just, I, I and to sleep through the night, I know we're talking about napping. To sleep through the night. I've never slept through the night. I never go to bed and then, ah, wake up. I got 42 times I'm going, oh, uh. so I can't do it. <laughs> I'd like for me to go to sleep is like a tornado. The, the, the conditions have to be perfect. I used to be uh, like that. Then I got a dog and he's right there. He's a nice little warm and pillow. What does that have to do with anything? He's just right there. Just like a little bit of. A little bit of uh, heat, a little like a like a hot pillow next to you. In a good way, yeah, in a good way. It's nice. My my dog knows the rules in my bed. Yeah, my dog will jump on my bed, start walking up towards me, look at me, turn right back, <laughs> turn right back around, and go down to the very edge of the bed where it's not touching me. We have an understanding. Uh, all right, well, that was a bite sized edition. Uh, hopefully, we gave you some juice. Some gas, put in the car, go forward, be a little bit more successful, a little faster in your growth. 
Uh, as always, always be growing. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's grow. The Grow Show is sponsored by Abstract Talent Solutions, recruiting for the modern world.